All right, we're rolling. Welcome to A Witch and a Buddhist Walk Into a Bar, Episode 2. Which we still don't have an intro for yet, but one nope. day we will. <laughs> maybe. Right. Maybe. Today we're drinking Raviva 2015 Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm going to pour a, myself a glass here. There we Ooh. go. Not yeah. bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so, Mickey. Mm-hmm. That's um, me. Well, wait, should we should we reintroduce the, what the podcast is about? Yeah. This is a podcast where a witch and a Buddhist uh, share wine and talk about spirituality. Sometimes. And religion most, and... Yeah. And other things, Some, and whatever happens to pop up in the conversation. Sometimes with each other, and sometimes with others. Oh yeah. Well, starting next episode, we'll we'll have guests, and uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> yes. So well, we're 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 it's a very objective statement, but we're gonna we're gonna just come out right at you and say it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Like yes. it might be the best thing you've ever heard in your life. It, Maybe. I think that it could. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything too funny enough to say right there. That's okay. That's okay. That's what the wine's for. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Mickey, uh, today I want to ask a little bit about you. Tell us about yourself. Uh, start with... What is it that uh, you, I know it's a really vague question if I just say, what do you believe? Oh my God, that's a long. But uh, <laughs> I know there's, there's probably, there's probably a lot that goes with that, but. Yeah, there's, that's a, there's a lot going on in there. So my, my spiritual history kind of, let's, or? let's just, yeah, let's, let's start from where you feel comfortable. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll start. Well, Okay. So my, I had a really unusual upbringing, um, I think probably compared to a lot of other people's spiritual upbringings uh, here in the U.S. Um, so my dad was a really influential part of my sort of spiritual life growing up, and he was interested in lots of different things. So he was nominally kind of kind of Catholic, I would say, um, but not really for the reasons that most people are Catholics. He was actually really um, more of a, I would probably say, uh, a Gnostic Christian, which is opening a big can of worms there. Mm-hmm. I know not everybody's going to know what that means. Yeah, we'll talk about Gnosticism um, probably in a, in, a, in a future episode. Yeah, that would be a cool episode. Is It's yeah. a fascinating uh, exploration into early Christianity and and uh, all the different types of, of belief that was actually you know surrounded uh, Jesus and who he was and what who what people thought he was. But anyway, uh, so he I, I guess he took a very sort of more esoteric uh, perspective with Jesus. He was really um, really invest like interested in this uh, author who sort of came out of the Theosophy movement. Uh, named um, uh, Rudolf Steiner. Mm. And so 
I grew up hearing things about Jesus and God and spirituality that I'm sure lots of people didn't. Like, um, my dad had this whole concept where there, I, I, I can't remember which books of the Bible it is, but there's two kind of dissimilar versions of Jesus's birth and Rudolf Steiner's take on that being sort of a, um, you know, claim to be clairvoyant and claim to have all this spiritual insight into things, uh, that there were two Christ children and one of them was a king and one of them was poor. And like this Uh Christ spirit had to incarnate like through this roundabout way. And it was like, like really, really different kind of way of looking at it. He had this concept that Jesus didn't die necessarily for like the sins of humanity, but that when his uh, blood was spilled on the earth as almost like this ritualistic sacrifice almost that this Christ spirit entered the earth and like changed the like to change the um, consciousness of humankind you know like something like things it's a like much that. different very different interpretation albeit convoluted if you ask me in yeah, my opinion yes 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 a little complicated I'm not, yeah. But anyway. I'm not saying that as a child when I'm hearing these things, I necessarily agreed with that either or really embraced that either, but that was the environment. That was my exposure to Christianity from a young age. Sin and guilt were not even talked about. It was very different. And my dad was really interested in uh, Roman Catholicism, not necessarily for like the strict orthodox theological aspects of it as much as he was interested in it for the ritualistic aspects and the symbolic aspects of it because he was also to me it makes much more sense to be involved in religion for those reasons yeah and that's the way that i was raised to be like almost like as an art yeah like you as you're into art you can also be into religion yeah and that's really kind of how my dad was so he had these like very unusual you know kind of like perspectives and I think because of that, like, I just grew up around a lot of different people. Like, there would be Catholic priests that would come to our house sometimes to have dinner. Or uh, there would be, like... Ew. Well, not just like kidding. that. <laughs> yeah, no. well, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, it wasn't that kind uh, of a dinner. I'm just um, <laughs> joking for the Catholics that are listening. I'm We're just, just joshing a little bit. Thought it'd be fun. Anyway, continue. Oh, my God. So, um, <laughs> yeah, they were normal dinners. Uh, then there would be, uh, like one of, one of his, uh, best friends, um, who I still kind of consider to be my first spiritual mentor was, uh, her name is, uh, Two Bears and she's a published author for anybody who's, you know, wants to go find her work. Gunshots going off outside. Oh, Oh, thanks to fireworks. Sorry, we're in rural Oregon. This happens. (laughs) Could be either. (laughs) Could be fireworks. Could be gunshots. Shut off fireworks because it's snowing and on the coast right now. I'm excited about it. Yeah, they've never (laughs) seen it before. So better make fire happen too. So anyway, anyway, so uh, Two Bears is a she's a you know indigenous native you know uh, woman, but she's also uh, you know as I I guess what you would call sort of like a medicine woman, you know. Cool. Um, Yeah. And that's she's one of the first people that my my uh, dad took me to go meet when I kind of started to have my own spiritual experiences. So she was a big influence in my life. He had people that owned, um, there was this, I, I grew up in Reno and there's a, there was a new age bookstore there called Silver Sage Bookstore that was like new age bookstore and I would go there and Mary Jane was a friend of his who was the owner and she would, you know, give me books about things I was interested in. So this is just like my whole growing up was like this kind of very 
leaning towards um, alternative religious upbringing to the point where, like, I actually had no conception that most Orthodox Christians believe that you go to hell if you're not a Christian until I was, like, 13. I had literally never heard it before. It was like, what? Wow. And, and to me, it was like... That's the first thing I heard, basically, growing well, up. Well, that's the first thing most people hear, oh, yeah. but it just wasn't It wasn't part of my upbringing, and I didn't really... Well, the first thing I heard was, Jesus loves you, but if you don't, love yeah. him back. <laughs> yeah, then that's when the axe drops. Yeah, it's unfortunately a, a great deal of people are exposed to that. So I think, so around the time that I was seven, so relatively young, I was having, um, so I, I personally, in my own spiritual belief, put a lot of stock in, uh, you know, dreams as a way to sometimes make contact with parts of ourselves or parts of our inner world that we might not be aware of when we're awake or parts of the world that we don't see all the time being able to kind of cross into you know into our, our minds and I started having dreams about Norse deities um, when I was really young and that kind of really led me to explore um, uh, you know the indigenous traditions of Europe that of course are now long dead but it that introduced me to like the neo-pagan movement where my first exposure to spirituality was through um or through that type of spirituality was through wicca and that's i think for a lot of kids you know in the 90s or younger that was like one of the first things that we kind of had contact with even though there's you mm -hmm. know i mean people people hear pagan and they think oh you're some type of wiccan because that's what people are aware of mm -hmm. but the word pagan or neo-pagan or whatever is actually covers like a broad spectrum of yeah, different beliefs pagan is just a word used basically for a lot of yeah. christian religions and other yeah right exactly and like neo-paganism i think in this country specifically means people who are worshiping gods and goddesses or practicing traditions that are inspired by ancient traditions that are now gone. It's okay. like what I personally that think That aren't of. mainstream religious right. things anymore. Anymore. That used to be, used but are to be no longer sure, are. Yeah. yeah. In, um, in ancient Greece, you used to, if you were a Christian, you were an atheist because you didn't believe in the... And they're in gods, I know. Yeah. It's really funny. Like in ancient Greece and Rome, people were like t horrified by Christianity initially, you know, like, like I, I can't, I wish I could remember, you know, I'm, I'm being a terrible scholar right now, but, but I read a really funny remark that was, you know, a Roman commenting on Christianity back when it was kind of a new movement and was going on and on about how all oh, they're destroying family values and they're destroying traditional values. Yeah. And it's so funny to see the reverse now. Yeah, you know? it's so funny. But oh anyway, gosh. so that kind of was my, my exploration into that. And I just immediately felt a really strong love and connection with you know starting with like the norse gods and goddesses but extending to others too that that i would encounter in my in my uh my research or just in my dreams or in my my own intuition i guess and uh that kind of led me that really from a young age shaped my perspective of what religion was to some degree um so that's kind of where i started and I've gone down lots of different <laughs> trails since then because, like I said, um, I think I've always stayed underneath the neo-pagan umbrella for the most part. But like, I, there's so many there's so many different traditions that fall under that umbrella that I've put my feet into different ones within it um, along the road. And 
that has just kind of been an, an unravel, well, not an unraveling, but like a, an unfolding mm-hmm. uh, from then till now. Is just and and my ideas about things have changed on and off and grown and developed. Like I think happens with most people, you know, when they're yeah. not practicing a stagnant tradition, you know. Right when you're trying, I, I've I've uh, definitely explored different religious venues. I've tried. Well, most of what I've done outside of Christianity has been in Eastern religions. Right. Not necessarily European. Uh, but, but um, yeah. So, what? where do you say now do you find in, in your spiritual life? Where do you, where do you, um, I guess, like... When you're when you think about what it is that you value or you believe, what's your first thing that you think of? What what pops into your head? As like as like an important cornerstone yeah, for myself. Exactly. Well, now, not necessarily thinking like about throughout the whole the whole time, but like at this yeah, moment. Yeah, just like yeah, like in your life now. Well, right now, uh, for the past, actually, it's been I think since 2012 when I started studying with my first teacher. But since about that time, I started studying. Um, it's a an American witchcraft, modern witchcraft tradition called the Anderson Fairy Tradition, and it's a very specific. It has a very specific set of um, sort of philosophies and tools and and things of that matter, and in its own pantheon of gods and goddesses. That you know, it doesn't fairies flexible enough that if you bring your own like set of deities, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, I'm also a polytheist, except when I'm not, by the way. <laughs> except when I'm not. Depending on on how... Uh, I'll get into that in a second, because that's that's part of what I believe right now, so that's relevant. Yeah, but, um, but um, you know, that's, for the last couple of years, has been a really strong um, force in my life and has been very influential. I feel like it's given me a lot of tools to help me grow as a person. And um, one of the things that I've been playing with a lot lately that you can find in fairy is uh, the idea that it's an illusion that we are separate from our from each other or separate from the rest of this physical world mm-hmm. and the other beings that are in it. We we all have kind of an ego, which I think we're going to eventually mm-hmm. have a have a, a different a entirely single Entire episode, episode about just based on that. But we'll yeah we'll get into this now too yeah but just 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 a just a, ta- just a touch that we have this concept that we um because we have an ego that we're and we're all in experiencing life as individuals that we have this illusion sometimes that we're completely cut off and separate and i think that in a way that's sort of a um sort of an idea that's propagated in a lot of western uh larger religions is that we have the earth and we have us and we are separate from the earth and we are separate from heaven and we are separate from God. Animal, a mineral or a vegetable. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That we're kind of, and, um, and I think that, well, in fairy tradition, we, the, the biggest form of Godhead that we talk about, we kind of, uh, simplify by calling the star goddess, but yeah, but we call her that and, and it's not really her. It's sort of like this in my, my perception from my, my time as a fairy, uh, not initiate, but as a student, I um, conceive of the star goddess as basically being almost like the force. It's like the force of life and creation that is literally all things. Like our little sun 
is like an atom in her body and we're like one of the little molecules floating around in this in this That's cell kind you know of beautiful yeah. yeah and i and and the idea that um consciousness that we're that that the consciousness of this being extends into all life so we're like we are the universe regarding itself is this yeah. idea that i've been playing with well that's a very uh i mean that's like a very eastern perspective too right which pretty much every asian religion yeah that's at the core of just about every oh there's all the wine we did it <laughs> we did it well <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So, kind of trying to remind myself of that and stay in a place of, um, balance with that, you know? Like, like, it's harder to shit all over somebody else or other things when you realize that that being is also part of God mm -hmm. herself, is also part of that, of that infinite web of everythingness. That, that... Yeah, and a necessary part, too. That's what's, right. that's what's interesting. It's like... <sighs> Every part is necessary, even right. the parts that we disagree with the most. Yeah. Like, and it's interesting to like, think about that. Like, even, like, you know, not to say that, like, oh, this person's a virus, but, I mean, sometimes we can feel that way about somebody. Yeah. But, but, like, even the things in nature that don't necessarily serve us as human beings have right. a vital role. And I think sometimes we make the mistake of taking something that doesn't and, serve us and either calling it evil or bad or something else. And it may not be good. Kinda, yeah. I mean, that's be good for, for sure. Us. I mean, there are things yeah. that are bad. And, I mean, and, but, and if you step back, I feel like there's this image and I can't remember where I got this. Um, I'm sure I read it in a book, but <laughs> <laughs> there's this imagery that, um, if you, if you look at anything, uh, there's always chaos and then order. In mm -hmm. every level, uh, how do I explain it? So, like, say you're looking at something in a microscope, it may look like chaos, but if you take a step back and look at it, it's order. And yeah. then if you take another step back and look at it, it's chaos again. It's like a fractal. Yeah, kinda. and then if you step back, it's order again. Like yeah. you look at you look at uh, uh, people individually. We think of ourselves as an organism as a perfectly ordered thing. But then you look back and look at a bunch of people, it's chaotic. Yeah. And then you look back even more and you see, like, order again. Like, the Earth, it's quite a spherical object in space. And you're <laughs> like, wow, that's pretty ordered, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you step back a little bit further and you see a jumble of, you know, uh, celestial bodies that look like they're kind of chaotically there. Right. But then you step back even further, and it's like, wow, that's pretty nicely ordered in a nice spiral or whatever it's doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know, yeah, like when just... you when you step all the way back from the Milky Way or whatever, then it looks like this beautiful thing. But if you're not yeah, far enough from, away from it, you might yeah. not you might look like a clusterfuck from you know so yeah, angles. exactly. So from different perspectives, like like when you zoom in, it it it, it looks different. Right. And when you zoom out, it looks different. Like, and so. It's about perspective. Right. And uh, I guess what, what I was saying was, like, even when you look at, like, you zoom in on our blood cells, you know, you've got these ones attacking these ones. There's, like, a constant battle going on. Yeah, yeah. And there's, it's like, if you were to root for one side or the other, you'd end up dead. <laughs> yeah, either side yeah, totally. won, you'd be dead, you know? So your organism depends on that actual, that 
conflict. Isn't that a trip to think about? It is. No, it is. Like, and and I think it's unfortunate that that so much, um, you know, from my perspective, I guess it's a bit unfortunate that in in uh, most Western larger religions, the, their way of looking at this world that we want to conceive of as holy and seeing that it possesses both the power to create and to destroy simultaneously. We look at that and we have to, and, and, we, and we've created this idea that God is this all good, all powerful, mm-hmm. omnipresent, omnipotent thing. And that contradicts what the world is really like and what, yeah. nature, what nature is really like. And I feel like it's sort of unfortunately cast this very, black and white uh dualistic sort of um like it's you're either judgment on the side on this side or you're on that side yeah you're either right or you're wrong and their way of justifying that distinction is by saying well this is a fallen world this is a world that god has been removed from that we removed god from yeah and and it's funny that that we as god's creation have have so much power over to do to do that yeah in that way and i feel like you know it's it's um it's kind of unfortunate it's because it's such a different perspective to look at the natural world and all the things that are both beautiful and terrifying about it and to be like well that is holy like that there's not a separation between the sacred and the physical in my my line of thinking and most i think most uh people who fall under that neo-pagan spectrum would Mm -hmm. would agree with that yeah and there's uh back on the subject of um creation and destruction this is something I really appreciate about the Hindu. Um, uh, it's basically like the Hindu Trinity, the mm-hmm. Trimurti, I think is what they call it. I'm not sure. Um, don't quote me on that. But um, <laughs> but it's the three major gods in Hinduism, and there's the Creator, the uh, Preserver, and the Destroyer. Right. But it's I like that they're. They include destruction and creation and preservation all in one like right. scope. It's not just and you have and you have faces of of God or or deities. Um, I personally, oh, this is this is sort of a um, I don't want to say a debate, but there's there's kind of a variety of views in neo paganism where uh, there's some people who are described as like uh, they call them soft polytheists. And that's where they believe that God is ultimately like one being, but um, manifested in manifested many, in many forms. Yeah. And then there are people who are hard polytheists, which are people who believe no, there is not a unity in the gods like that. That they are all pure individuals. That's like the Greek pantheon. Yeah, yeah. like maybe like more they of that were kind very of idea. Individual gods. Yeah. And I, I honestly fall kind of in the middle. I kind of personally believe like i said that that the ultimate source of all creation is that nameless faceless massive being like i said that right. we refer, i refer to as a star goddess but isn't literally like one person that's floating around in the universe i mean like that it is it is it the, is the it, sum of all it, it things is, it is the everything or that the, it isn't and and, uh, and and it's it's yeah and that's you know there's a there's an author uh, who's initiated in this tradition named uh, T Thorn Coyle who if anybody's at all interested in in witchcraft or spirituality in general she's just a, a fantastic voice but she um, she summed it up really cool where she, she said that the, kind of the the difference is that uh, monotheism takes God to one there's one 
And when we're talking about the star goddess, we take it to zero. Mm. It is that void of creation that all things came from. And that's yeah. a very different concept than saying there's just one thing, you know? Right. That's very... I really, really... I dig that. It's... it's is is really telling the same kind of story as, as like Hinduism or Buddhism. Buddhism, the thing about Zen Buddhism mm -hmm. is that they, it's actually I don't, I'm not going to say frowned upon, but it's not really the custom of a Zen Buddhist to really get into the philosophy of. You can, but it's not. It's not uh, recommended to take any of it really seriously. What's <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, I what a Zen Buddhist does is just like kind of like it's like you can talk about these things and, and speculate and do all this, but in the end, like what matters is just what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I totally agree with that. But I totally yeah, agree with no, that. No, but we are as humans, this is what we do in a way. Yeah, right? I mean, this is what we're doing. And yeah, we exactly. We are speculating. We are talking about it and philosophizing and coming up with these yeah things. like explanations ways yeah. to wrap our mind around things that are impossible to wrap your mind around you right know? but it is very it's a it's a very um that i really that resonated with me that all things going back to that zero to zero yeah and you know i think stephen hawking said that there's a perfect balance of positive and negative energy in the universe. Mm -hmm. And so really everything is zero. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah, you like, add really. it all up, there really is, everything is nothing in a yeah. very literal way. Yeah, exactly. So, and, I, and I feel like, um, I feel like there's, you know, wisdom in that. And when I, when I'm talking about, you know, like like if we're talking about creation myths or origins or whatever, like these are all kind of, in my mind, these are all kind of symbols that we use to kind of like we were talking about explain inner experiences and inner gnosis that there's not really a physical place for, you know, and, and it's, but it's not literalistic in the way that like, you know, a, a conservative Christian might believe that, you know, the, the earth literally was created in seven days because that's what it says in the Bible. Like, I right. don't... And there are plenty of Bible literates, literalists right. that do believe this. Right. And so when I'm talking about, like, gods and goddesses, for example, which I, I was going to make a, a note, a footnote in there about, about uh, what I was saying earlier about soft and hard polytheism, I think I kind of personally believe that these many different gods and goddesses that we have in all these different cultures, um, I personally kind of view them as the um, sentient souls of nature I is like kind that. of how I see them. And I think that, yes, they are individuals, like you or I are individuals, but they are just as much individuals as you and I are individuals of them. Yeah. Any sense. No, it does. It's like, <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, I mean, the gods are individual gods, but they're but they're also expressions right. of but if you the move one truth, but yeah, like with the uh, exactly both the one that you can't really pinpoint. That's like we the, the like we I have all these stars that are all individuals, but when you take that big step back, you God can... damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but when you take that big step back, you can see the spiral that is the Milky Way. Right, right. So yes, they are individuals, but they also are children of this bigger force, just like we are. Yeah. Um, yeah, expressions of the 
of our natural world. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of another, I guess, point where I'm at right now. Um, I've gone through different phases of my spiritual development where I've focused more on specific individual gods. Yeah, exactly. Like, like Loki, uh, the Norse god Loki was, has always been a very important one for me. Um, he's one that I've had a, a, a devotional practice for. Not for very a long, trustworthy long time. that one. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, but, but it, like we were talking about destruction, you know, and in, in mm-hmm. my mind, Loki, um, represents like i i personally feel like uh quite a bit of his mythos was influenced by uh you know the christian authors that were writing about him and i feel like there was definitely a push to equate him with lucifer or Mm. their their idea of lucifer you know when they were recording these myths but um uh that sounds right but he yeah he is Mm -hmm. he is a very luciferian figure and i would say that i have a lot of luciferian leanings and i don't want people to misrepresent misunderstand what i say when i mean that or what i mean when i say that yeah i i feel like loki well i only know well i'll I'll tell you what (laughs) (laughs) uh english but uh We're so good at talking. We're so good well, at it. This of course is why we, we drink we, wine. This is why yeah. we drink wine. This is why we, we make podcasts yeah. because we're good at it's talking. Because we're <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all, the only all I know of Loki is just what I've read from Neil Gaiman, you know, or and he actually does a good Loki. Yeah. I love his interpretations of Loki. Actually, it's, it's great. Loki to me, him or you know Marvel. Yeah, and I'm not talking about that one. Yeah, you know, the the reindeer helmet. Tom no. Hiddleston. You know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, so when I was doing my, um, uh, the great was what was it? No, it was the crash course on mm. mythology, uh-huh. on the lecture about Loki. Mm-hmm. He, uh, the professor said, and then there's Loki, who you might know from his role as Tom Hiddleston, <laughs> and I love that. How he's, I love that he said that. That's really funny. He said that Loki played Tom Hiddleston in the movie. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, you know? It's great. Uh, but anyway, anyway. Uh, Loki, to me, with the research that I've done regarding him, and I'm obviously not everybody's going to agree with this, but I kind of see him as a personification of um, sacrificial fire, sacred fire, which is slightly different in Indo-European cultures than just saying, oh, there's like a fire, you know, that is just burning over there, a wildfire. It's like, um, this is getting really complex, but his his mother is Laufi, who is, you know, her name means, um, or Loivi is actually how you pronounce it, Loivi. She's a, a tree, or her name means uh, Leafy Island, which is a sort of a poetic term for a tree. And then his father is Forbauti, who is sort of a po- uh, which means a cruel striker, which is kind of a an allusion to lightning. And so Loki is specifically this fire that's born from heaven, from lightning. And in um, Vedic religion, that's like a very specific type of fire. It's more akin to Agni, who is sort of this go-between uh, who brings the gods their sacrifices. And he's one of the most important deities in ancient Vedic religion because he's the god of sacrifice and that's how the gods receive their offerings and I feel like Loki kind of ties into that quite a bit he's um, sometimes depicted as giving gifts to the gods he's also this force of destruction we were talking about there's this aspect of Loki 
that to me feels very much like a raging volcano where he's just here to annihilate and destroy the way things are so that a new thing can replace it. And that's sort of, I feel like gods like Loki um, get kind of misunderstood because of our, our, the sort of Western Christian ideal that many of us were raised with that if a God is destructive, that means it's evil Mm -hmm. when in reality it's necessary. You have to have a destroyer if you have a creator. Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah, that can't have one without the other. Yeah. If there was no. So Loki is as mischievous as he is. Yes. He's absolutely necessary. Well, think about what he does in the stories. He's the promoter of all the action, with, the, with like... the exception of Odin. Odin too has that trickster aspect, right. but Loki promotes quite a bit of action in the stories because of things that he does I that think, forces oh, the gods to... They know that we're talking about them. The oh, light, they have the lights, lights are flickering. flickering. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> but he he does things that force the gods to to scramble and to change and to, to improvise, you know? So he's kind of that force of unpredictability in life, you know, where you're like, shit, you know? Now I, you know, this everything's gone wrong and now I have to, I have to be creative. And there's a cat behind me. Black cat. And that's not so bad. So that's a little bit about Loki and a a, a tiny bit about, you know, why I I, uh, value him. (laughs) So what brought you to your, um, well, I guess just trying to get to know your your journey a little bit better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So... I think you may have already gone over this, but how did you get to where you are now, spiritually, from... All of that. Yeah. Well, I feel like, like I said, I've kind of gone in and out of different places, depending on, you know, where I was um, in my own spirituality and what I was led to, and... Um, initially, like I said, I, I kind of started with this concept of um, kind of a more generic uh, Wiccan theology, I guess the things that would really, in my mind, um, explain Wicca as we know it as a tradition here is, um, I don't know, it was, it was. Uh, this is going into a whole thing, but a, a civil servant in England in the 1950s named Gerald Gardner uh, created what we know as Wicca based off of traditional accounts of witchcraft that... Oh. Um, existed in England and he was also a Freemason so he had a few elements from that and he was a um, he was interested in th- uh, Thelema which is of course Aleister Crowley's uh, spiritual system that he created and so there's a few elements of that in there and um, he was also in my opinion uh, probably a lot of other people's opinions really influenced by this author named Margaret Murray who was um, who was a uh, actually an Egyptologist, but she wrote a book called The Witch Cult in Western Europe where she was promoting this idea that uh, the the antics that witches were accused of in the, in the trials and what have you were actually remnants of this sort of pagan tradition that maybe came from the Middle East, maybe didn't. Like, it was like, it's very, very convoluted kind of idea. Wow, this is all news to me. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. A lot of people don't know, like, where Wicca actually kind of came from and so that's sort of some elements from there but i think that most people 
in the U.S. would look at Wicca and recognize that many of the commonalities are that they they acknowledge that there's a god and a goddess. Most of the time, the god is depicted as this god, uh, this horned god, maybe Kernanos, who's sort of like a hunting god, and then the, the goddess is like a mother goddess or a moon mm-hmm. goddess. Um, and that's in Wicca, uh, specifically. And fairy is more traditional witchcraft, and I'll explain the nuance mm-hmm. of that in a minute, because it's different. It's similar, but different. It looks the same on the outside, but has very different meaning on the inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd love to um, hear about that, yeah. So, um, so, you know, I kind of... So that's sort of like the basic concept that I that I came into. In a lot of more what you would call a, eclectic Wicca... Um, that isn't initiatory, that isn't a mystery tradition, that is just sort of like somebody picks up a book on Wicca and reads it, which is what I was doing when I was a kid. Um, there's sort of this this uh, urging to be like, you know, find your own pantheon of gods that you want to work with, find your own, you know, way to do things. And so for me, early on, that was the Norse gods, because obviously I felt very close to Loki and a lot of the, the those gods and goddesses that I later on kind of figured out that, oh, these are actually gods that my ancestors would have worshipped. So, of course, they're the first ones that I met. Um, so that sort of carried me into what um, is now being called heathenry, which is, again, one of those traditions that's sort of the umbre- under the umbrella of neo-paganism. And under that word heathenry, there's even lots of other micro versions of that, of people do that do it all different ways and call it different things. But the, the essence is that it's most of it is a reconstructionist attempt to recreate the Old Norse pagan traditions to some extent. Mm. Some people think that looks one way, some people think that looks another way, but that's sort of the gist of it, that people are taking... Um, where Wicca sort of is more inspired by like ceremonial magic and things of that sort. Uh, most uh, pagan reconstructionists are reading history books and trying to figure out as much as they can about what would this religion have looked like if it hadn't been destroyed and then trying to create something based off of that. Based off of, yeah, okay. So there's, you know, heathenry was where I was involved in, but there are... Heathenry, when I hear the word heathen, I just picture a Puritan... <laughs> yeah, like just heathen. Like, being like, are we heathens? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of Norse pagans specifically use that word heathen to distinguish themselves because they don't really like being lumped in with pagans. There are quite a few of them that almost feel like what they're doing is more akin to something like Shinto than it is to Wicca. Mm. Um, if that makes any sense. So Shinto's another thing I've learned about. Yeah, then that's another indigenous bit. an unbroken indigenous tradition that's obviously been influenced by a great deal by very, Buddhism, but it's very it's vibrant. Still very going on, yeah, in Japan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Shintoism has actually inspired my favorite video game franchise, The Legend of Zelda, mm. in many ways. I didn't know that yeah. actually. It's kind of interesting. And a lot of anime, of course. That yeah, it's not shocking but, at yeah, all. <laughs> there's a, there's a yeah, anyway. So, I was involved in that for many years um, and I quite recently have stopped identifying myself as heathen. I kind of, I, I kind of, um, along with being, again, I, uh, the one thing I can say about neo-paganism is that there's quite a bit of flexibility in it. There's not this push towards a dogmatic way of being. So it's not unusual for somebody to be practicing more than one tradition at the same time. Um, I've always, I've been, was always interested in, um, Anderson Ferry, which I'm obviously learning right now, like I mentioned, but was also interested in traditional witchcraft, but was also interested in... I think we're all interested in Anderson Ferry now. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's pretty cool. 
I, I mean, I, I'm biased, but I, I love it. Um, but anyway, so I'm not really identifying as heathen anymore for a variety of reasons. One reason is that I feel like my spiritual expression and understanding has expanded to a point where focusing all of my intent, all of my, um, my focus on just one pantheon and one, one system and one reconstructed thing just didn't fit me anymore. Um, I feel like there was always, like I was always very inspired by the idea that I was returning to something in my blood, in my ancestry, not in a no, white pride kind of way, because unfortunately that is another reason that I don't really identify with that anymore. There are a lot of people out there who look at heathenry and they use it as a kind of way to express their love of the third reich or use it as their way to express white yeah, power that's, or that's, that's a sad yeah, state of affairs and yeah it's and of course unfortunately we're seeing that rising up in many different communities besides just that one but that's a place where it's always kind of been festering under the surface and it's really unfortunate and i don't want to paint the picture that all heathens are like that because it's absolutely not true but the ones who are like that are very loud and very vocal and very uh hard to get rid of yeah um so anyway so uh i can't remember what i was talking about but i was saying uh i was saying that yeah i don't really identify as he oh because my 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 uh, vision had expanded to a place where i felt like just focusing on that couldn't work and um i also i always felt there was this nagging um inauthenticness for me in it where it was like yes I'm trying to reconstruct these things to the best of my ability but at the same time I'm not even from Scandinavia I'm from the west coast in America yeah you know <laughs> like trying to put my mind in the place of a viking age or earlier Scandinavian living in Norway or Iceland or something like that and that's just always a bridge because this is a broken tradition that's going to be very difficult mm. to cross and I guess I felt like the effort to create something quote unquote more authentic became less important to me than actually having a spiritual experience yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh, for sure yeah like it almost like there's almost this pissing match sometimes in these reconstructionist traditions where they're like well that's not how they did it they should have done it like blah 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 and it turns into like a history club Instead of like, right? Instead it's of more, a, yeah, you're right. Instead yeah, of a, instead of a, a the, way to to touch the divine, you know yeah, what I mean? You, you actually see that in Zen too, which is really weird. I'm sure. I'm sure you see. Well, you see. Yeah, it in you Christianity see it everywhere. Too. You yeah, see it everywhere. Like, well, what actually happened? Well, what we're not in this in this journey to to do that. We're in here. Right. We're in it to experience the divine. Right. Yeah. And that's not to that's not to diminish the work of people who really are doing their best to come up with cool new ways to approach these ancient traditions because I have a lot of respect for that. I just felt like that wasn't my calling anymore. And it's not, I don't know. It, it, it depends on what you're, yeah, it depends. If you're the scholarly type, I mean, which I kind of, I, I doubt. I did. We both dabble. Yeah, we both, we both do that. I mean, gosh, look around. We're practically in a library right yeah. now. But <laughs> and I love that part of it. But I got. Lo I felt like I was getting lost in that part of it to the point mm -hmm. where I wasn't. I felt like I wasn't. I was. And that'll definitely happen. Yeah, yeah, I was being an amateur scholar, not a spiritual person. And right. and when I mean spiritual, I mean having. For for me, spirituality needs to have 
a purpose and in a in an effect in my life. Like I feel like if it's not doing anything to improve me or improve my life, then why am I putting time and energy into it? Mm-hmm. You know. And here's another thing, and this is just like my opinion, man, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think that when it comes to the scholarly or academic aspect of uh, spirituality and religion, it, it's about learning. Mm-hmm. And I think that for a lot of people, it turns into uh, being about just knowing more than the other person or knowing more. Oh, yeah. Or well, knowing. Yeah. It turns into and, like an ego-driven thing. Right. Sure. And it's it, that's when it well, you can tell, too. Like, I read books. And it's funny because in Buddhism especially and in Zen especially, it's about not – it's about getting over that ego or getting past that. And – you can read people's ego in these books so so much because they're like, well, so-and-so said this. I'm going to say this, and it's an argument to what they said. And sometimes that's necessary, but it's like, that's all ego. Right. It's all just being right. And it's yeah, like, and, and, more and people, there's so much and, of that yeah, in that get, community. When you get yeah. into academia... There's a lot of just being right, just wanting to be right, yeah, wanting to yeah. know more oh than my, someone yeah. else. And that's or, ramp, that is rampant and then, in the and community, for some sure. Some people, when you talk to them, it's like, you feel like the only reason they're talking to you is just so that they can show you that they know more than you do. Oh, yeah. And I, it's, yeah. it's like, okay, well, we're not getting anywhere. But I think that if you really have that the spirit of learning, then it is helpful to, to have that kind of scholarly aspect right if you're in it to learn yeah and i feel like that's what we're doing even with this podcast is we're just in it to learn yeah to learn and Some get new perspectives talk about stuff and and we're not trying to sh- like it's like this isn't a, a platform to show off what we know it's a platform to learn what we yeah, can learn exactly it's all about learning it's not about knowing stuff so on top of the, that experience with the heathen community, again, like I say, I have lots of people I love and care about who are still part of that community. I just don't really identify that way anymore. I don't claim that word anymore for myself. Um, I, you know, was also always very interested in traditional witchcraft. And so I kind of touched a little bit on, a very little bit on um, on Wicca. It, it might be actually really cool to find, like, somebody who le- practices, like, legit British tradition traditional Wicca on this podcast because that would be an interesting topic but um then i got into anderson ferry which i had heard about i knew a little bit about but i had never really delved in until like 2012 when i just decided you know what like i want to do this for myself i've always been drawn to this i don't want to have to wait for some mystical sign to show me oh you should do this i'm just gonna take it and that's what i've been doing with it um but i think that one of the biggest differences is um there are more sort of like almost Gnostic slash Luciferian aspects to um, traditional witchcraft. And when I say Luciferian, I don't want people to get the idea that I'm talking about devil worship or worshiping Satan or any of those things. Lucifer means the light bringer. And um, again, another topic for Gnostic Christianity, but uh, in Gnosticism, the serpent in the garden is actually sort of the hero of the story and the god in the garden that's keeping people ignorant is sort of viewed as this false god who's deceived Adam and Eve into believing mm. that it is the only god when it isn't. Yeah, and, like yeah, like I, like I said, I think I said this in the last episode, is like I always thought it was strange that the big sin 
is the knowledge. The sin is the thirst, the hunger for knowledge. Right. So I think from the traditional witchcraft perspective, and again, I'm not speaking for all people who identify as traditional witches, it's just my understanding that the god of the craft is seen as being sort of this figure that uh, inspires us towards greater knowledge, whether whether this Luciferian figure takes the form of Odin or Loki or Lucifer or Melictaus or any of these gods who represent this sort of primal urge in human beings to know the mystery that is sort of like a way to, oh my God, that's sort of, that's sort of a way to conceptualize that. Sounded, that, that, is the worst. <laughs> that was terrifying. Yeah. Oh we didn't do God. that, by the way. Yeah. Oh. So... So uh, viewing, I feel like in, tradi- in in Wicca, the god is viewed as more of a force of fertility and um, uh, sort of the male sexual drive and things like that. Whereas in, I think in traditional witchcraft, he's viewed more as sort of like the keeper, like the, the doorkeeper of the mysteries, the one that initiates you into greater knowledge. And so it's a slight shift there. Um, same with the goddess. Like a lot of times I see Wicca presenting the goddess as just the mother of creation, whereas in Anderson Ferry or other traditions uh, that identify as we identify as traditional witchcraft, the goddess is more seen as the force of fate. Like the, the idea of the Norns or the three fates of Greek mythology holds a little bit more resemblance, I think, to the triple goddess in our conception than it does necessarily to... Again, like just being the maiden, the mother, the crone, this is the woman-female cycle. It's like, yes, that's true, but then there's also this idea that that fate is the driving force of all creation or karma or whatever you want to call it, that that is sort of what makes things happen and that that's sort of that feminine power that that um, we are all sort of have to succumb to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, um if I I haven't asked you many questions, but oh, it's okay. I've just been. I've I'm been gonna no. Talking. That's great. It's great. <laughs> In fact, I think you answered most question most of the questions that I would have had for you anyway. Uh, if if is there a question that I haven't asked that hmm. you can think of about myself? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I think. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, I would just say that. Um, I don't know. Let me think. I guess, okay, so I've been using the word witch a lot, and I know that that's a word that a lot of people have a lot of in- invested in already, like a lot of right. personal thoughts and symbols. And and I guess what I mean by witch, um, that's kind of an important thing to bring up. Mm-hmm. I kind of interpret that to mean not just somebody who follows Wicca or who follows witchcraft or, or whatever, you know, because witchcraft is as much a thing you do as it is a th- not necessarily a thing you believe. Um, I mean, it has like a philosophy and a belief system attached to it in a lot of cases, but I feel like for me, that means somebody who is seeking that deeper knowledge of how the universe works. And at times, because obviously people are going to associate this with the word witchcraft as they should, you use that knowledge to try to turn fate in your favor right? with magic. And magic is something that you can't really escape when you're talking about witchcraft. So in my conception magic and this, we're gonna have to dedicate a whole episode to magic yeah. too oh yeah absolutely magic is yeah, i think i wrote that one time down uh it's like a it's a system of practices that human beings have been using since the beginning of our existence probably 
where you create you you attempt to create um, an event or you or or that fate will turn in a specific way that you want it to, and you use your knowledge of yourself, of your environment, of you know, um, of the way that kind of the way that the universe works to the best of your ability to shift things in the direction you want it to go in. I, I kind of call Matt, I mean, uh, Aleister Crowley, you know, um, who, you know, was not a witch, but was a definitely a magician defined magic as, uh, uh, the act of, of, uh, shoot. What is it? Do you know this one? I know this one. It's, it's making, basically making reality conform with your will. Yeah. And, um, I kind of look at magic as, um, the art of creating coincidence is what I call it. (laughs) I I like that. I like that a lot. So, uh, yeah, that's part of my practice. Um, learning how to do those things has been a part of my practice for a long time. (laughs) And we'll dedicate a whole episode to magic and, and witchcraft too. Um, Yeah. So I think that that's something else I wanted to add, and and devil worship, you know, people associate that with witchcraft, and maybe we'll have a well, maybe yeah. we'll have a, a, a another witch on our next I episode. Would and... love my teacher to be on here, which I think he's agreed to do loosely. So you think he'll do the next one? Well, we're not yeah. going to promise anything to our listeners. Yeah, but we'll have him on eventually. I'm sure he would have a fascinating perspective on because he's like me. He's put his toes in a lot, his hands in a lot of different pies, and knows a lot of different stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I've stuck my thumbs in a few pies, because uh, what a good boy am I. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> did, you, did you find a plum? Yeah. Did I get that? That's nice. <laughs> oh, jeez. I don't know. Is there anything else? Like, I feel like that's a lot. I said a lot. Yeah, I think we covered uh, a lot of stuff, and whatever we didn't cover, we can always cover, uh, you know, on another episode, because I think we're going to... Have to wrap this one up. Yep. I, I'm comfortable with that. I think it's... I've said a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's been really good, and we need a we need a really catchy send-off. Well, what did we use last time? Well, I said I said good night and good, good luck, good but luck. that's not original at all. Uh, oh, shoot. So what is original anymore? Something. How about a fart noise? Oh, uh-huh. that, oh, I don't no, know. That's not... for our. That's for my other podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's the other podcast is just fart noises. Yeah, literally. So hours. we don't do any talk. We talk with our butts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which some might say is what we're doing right now. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh... <laughs> we're, we're we're farting with our mouths in this episode. Some people might listen to that and think that's what yeah. we're doing. So. um... Thank you for listening. Um, join us next time. Be sure to do whatever it is that people do with podcasts these days. Uh, and as always, oh wait, no, that's that's taken. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, uh, we need to say, oh, man, we gotta have something fun to say. Oh, I have an idea. Okay, what is it? What, what if, since it's a witch and a Buddhist walk into a bar? We say something witchy, witchy and then something, something Buddhisty, and then we cheers like. Oh yeah, you know I what like I mean. That. Okay. Okay. So okay, let you, me. You start. What's a Buddhist thing to say? First. <laughs> Is there anything left in there? I still have some wine, so I'm good. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just crack open a cold one then. I'm out of wine. Because <laughs> we have a problem.
What'd you say? <laughs> All, right. All right. So we're gonna have, have to have something to cheers. That's your personal favorite, isn't it? Yeah, this is my go-to beverage. Um, it's called Pep's Blue Ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's up. Yeah. It's yeah. It's might might not have heard of it. Yeah. Do you have? Yeah, some I've got a, I've got I've got some sips in okay. here. Okay, so I'm trying to think of something Buddhist to say. This Buddhism is usually about not talking. So that's true. <laughs> well, that isn't working. Well, what would you? What's a? Um, is there a greeting? Is there a namaste in Buddhism? Um, I'm trying to think. I could just say namaste. That'll work for now. For until now, we figure it out. until we get something <laughs> clever for next time. All right, so this already is going to end better than the last one. <laughs> All right, so what's which? You have a thing uh, already. I think you would say "blessed be." Oh my God, that's really good. Blessed be. And whatever you say. And then I'll say "namaste." Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Join us next time, and have a good night. Bye. Keep.